We are still talking about, uh, we had a wonderful guest speaker last week. Can we give God praise for our uh, evangelist Holly and the wonderful message that he brought last week that was just directly from his heart and the heart of God, how that even though we sow in tears sometimes that we're going to reap in joy, amen? So uh, the week before, I uh, stopped about uh, three quarters of the way through a message I was preaching about our purpose in Christ uh, and the strategy that he has given us to win souls. And I promise you this strategy works because Jesus used it himself. And that strategy that we've been given to win souls is crosses, tables, and bridges. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and our purpose in him is to do the same. Through the compassion of the cross and communion, we persuade others to follow Christ. The cross we carry on earth becomes a table that transitions to a bridge to heaven. Crosses, tables, and bridges. Can you say that with me? Crosses, tables, and bridges. So why do we have to carry a cross? Because the word of God says that if we desire to be followers of Jesus Christ, we need a cross to do it. Why do we need a cross? The cross is an instrument of death because we have our own will, we have our own mind, and we have our own emotions. So if we don't have those things under control, we won't do what Jesus wants us to do. We will do what we want to do. And listen very closely. You cannot be tamed. Your sin nature cannot be tamed, okay? It just must be destroyed. And that's why there is a cross. So he says, if you want to be my followers, you must pick up your cross every once in a while. Correct me, church. Daily. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. So you know what? Damien Tibbs, without a cross, I am trouble daily. I can be sinful daily. I can have an attitude problem and anger issues every single day. It never changes because while my soul is saved, it still must be under the power of Jesus Christ, and that's what the cross does. Anytime I put down the cross, I become Lord of my life again. I become in control. And in Damien Tibbs, no matter if I'm a pastor or a, or a police officer, in Damien Tibbs is no good thing. I fail daily without the cross. Without the cross, I have no spiritual power. Without the cross, I do not have Jesus living inside of me. If I don't pick up that cross, I fail daily. So Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to do what you've seen me done, do. If you want to do what I'm going to do, if you want to perform my will, pick up that cross and follow me. So church, what that lets me know is that we can't even follow Jesus without a cross. You see, there's a lot of crossless Christians in this world. And what they have become is just religious people going through religious motions, but not really following Christ. Because the truth is, it's hard to follow Christ. It's not easy being a Christian. Do you know why? Because you've got to give up your entire life for the sake of Jesus Christ. You don't get to say what you want anymore. You don't get to do what you want anymore. And we thank God for a helper named the Holy Spirit. Can we give praise to the Holy Spirit this morning? We would be desperately in trouble if God did not send us another comforter, send us a helper. And every morning my prayer is this. Holy Spirit, I partner with you today to bring glory to the Father and the Son. I partner with you. The Holy Spirit is that voice that directs us to the passion of Christ and allows us to perform God's will as long as we carry our cross. But church, I'm afraid that we are not violent enough with ourselves. We're violent against Republicans and we're violent against Democrats and we're violent against everybody else, but we need to be violent against that person in the mirror and say that, you know what? You are good for nothing except death. And you will serve God. 
For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the cross is something that we have to carry because all of you have issues. Every single one of you, you got some issues. And there's some dirty issues too. There's some sinful issues. There's some disgusting issues. And the issues can be canceled when we pick up the cross and deny ourselves. That's the hint right there. Deny yourself. Why do I have to deny myself? Because within myself is no good thing. I want to be like Jesus. So if he says, if you want to be like me, then you pick up that cross and you obey me and you follow me. So why do I need a cross? Because every once in a while, Jesus is going to tell me to do something that I really don't want to do. And at that moment, I have to have a confrontation with myself and say, I have made a decision to follow Christ, so one of us has to die. And it's not going to be the spirit man on the inside of me. It's going to be this soul, this flesh. Can you say this with me, church? My soul needs help. Our souls need desperate help every single day. And if we're willing to pick up our cross and follow Jesus Christ, we have all the help we need. Let's give God praise for help. That's the Holy Spirit's function is to be a helper. But we've got to stop ignoring him. He's available, but we have to be obedient and we have to listen to him so that we may follow. So crosses, tables, and bridges. So this cross that we carry, okay, this cross can also transition to a table. You see, Jesus was a master carpenter. He worked with wood, okay? So the cross that we carry can also transform itself into a table, so Jesus used tables a lot when he was here in his earthly ministry. Uh, there was a time he was walking through a town and Zacchaeus was uh, a short man and desired to see Jesus. So he climbed a tree and Jesus saw him and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I need you. I need to go into your house. I need your table. Many times Jesus would eat with sinners. And at these tables, there would be judgment all around. Look at him eating with those sinners. Why does he, why does he spend time with such disgusting people? Look at him. They would accuse him of being a drunkard, accuse him of being a sinner because he would one day die on a cross for those that he sat around the table with. You see, the table was for fellowship. You can always get somebody to come. You see, if we served meals after church every Sunday, the balcony would be full. Because God knows that the way to really get people's attention first is right here. They've got a natural hunger. So Jesus used that natural hunger to invite them to a table so that this, this table would lead to his cross. So before the, the, the table could lead to a cross, it would have to become a bridge next. Can you say bridge? So here's, here's the pattern, church. Here's the strategy of winning the loss. We carry a cross. And that cross becomes a table in which we invite people to. It's relationship. Can you say relationship? You see, we have failed in winning the loss because we tried to give them religion. You don't give them religion. You give them relationship. Because listen, Jesus lives inside of you. And you're trying to give them religion. You're trying to give them Jesus when Jesus just lives inside of you already. So you can just have lunch with somebody and give them Jesus. You can have, make a phone call with, to somebody and give them Jesus. It's not religion first. It's relationship first. Jesus sat and ate sandwiches. Did they eat sandwiches that long ago? When were sandwiches invented? I'm just so thankful for sandwiches. I take side notes sometimes, but praise God for sandwiches. They're so delicious, especially when you warm them and the cheese melts all over. So good. All right. So he would use their natural hunger to bring them close. And at the time of the table, he would use compassion and love to win them, to be a friend, because Jesus, friend of sinners, okay? And one of the main reasons Jesus gave me this message is because he let me know that the church has turned their back on, their, on sinners, especially in our family, co-workers, neighbors. It's like we have nothing to do with them because we think we'll catch their sin. But we talked about it two weeks ago, how Jesus died sinless, but yet spent a lot of times with sinners. So we learned that sin is not contagious. 
So just because a person is smoking, drinking, cussing around you doesn't mean that you're going to catch their sin. What we're, ha- what we're hopeful for is that they'll catch our love. That our love would have an influence upon them. Because every single one of us, when we were in sin, we knew we were wrong. When you went around Christians, you knew. You, you felt the, the, the conviction, didn't you? All right? Uh, I, I thought I was hiding some things from my parents, but that they knew very well what I was doing, okay? Because my whole life, my parents were, were Christians and saved, but they weren't always saved. And that's what kids forget. Mom and dad weren't always Christians, all right? So the things that you try to pull over their eyes, they tried to pull over their parents' eyes as well. But our relationships with sinners has to be a a no-judgment zone. They have to feel comfortable around you. They already feel condemned when you're around. Do you know why? Because light and darkness have no fellowship. So when you show up and you're so kind and you're so loving and you won't hate Brenda just because everybody else at the company hates Brenda, Brenda, they already know something is different about you, so they already feel that conviction. Let, let, me, let me see if I can give you a, a, a quiz right now. How many of you, uh, as Christians, living your life boldly uh, for Christ in public, have had people apologize for cussing around you? It's like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I, I, know, you, I know you go to church, and so I, I apologize. I'm, I'm so sorry. Do you know why? Because you're a light. Because Jesus Christ lives on the inside of you without you even having to wear a t-shirt or say anything. But listen, we have to be so compassionate towards them that they want what we want. What we have, rather. And what we have is not religion. We're not trying to get people into religion. What we have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And our prayer is that as we spend time at tables with people, that Jesus will divinely show them a bridge. And that bridge is the faith that they need to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The reason I'm telling you this is because it's the whole point of the existence of the church. It's the reason God saved you. Not just to keep you out of hell, but to employ you as earth angels, as messengers of the gospel as those who would lead people out of darkness and into light so somehow we got lazy somehow we got complacent when we said okay I'm saved I'm okay but yet we know about neighbors and co-workers and family members who are not okay how many of us can do better every hand go up every hand every single if I my hands up your hands up all right we can all do better but what you have to remember is this say this with me God saved me for a purpose. As you can see, the beautiful new signs up there, uh, the one on the bottom left says eternal purpose. So God came, he sent his love to us, he gave us a new identity in Jesus Christ, so that sinful creature is gone, and behold, all things have been made new in Christ. He's given us faith, the same faith that Jesus had on this earth is accessible to us, so that we can live out our purpose. Church, say purpose. It's all about purpose. It's not about just coming here and singing songs and going home and and being blessed in your house alone. You're alive for a purpose, for a reason. God saved you to call you out of darkness so that you might represent that wonderful light of God to those around you. So we are not just an earthly church. We are divine people, a people that have been recreated in the image of Jesus Christ to continue the work that he was doing while he was on earth. So when Jesus comes into us, we now take upon us the same passion and same mission Jesus had. That's the difference between a religious person and a Christian. A Christian is a person in which Jesus Christ lives and has total control. How many need to be better Christians? Every single one of us. And do you know how that happens? Your cross. You pick up your cross, you deny yourself, thank you, Jesus, and you follow him. We've got to stop playing games. Time is running out. He needs real Christians in this earth. He needs to truly inhabit us. And some of us are just so familiar. Uh, my, my son is learning karate, okay? My son's learning karate. And the thing they say about karate is this. Some people know enough karate, just enough karate, just to get beat up. 
Well, what's that supposed to mean? They put themselves in situations and say, hey, lady, or hey, man, leave that lady alone. I know karate. Like, oh, man, why don't you just call 911, man? Just leave, stay out of it. But you know, just enough karate to say, hmm, I'm going to get you. And you end up going to the hospital. All right? Just enough karate to get beat up. Here's, here's the point, guys. Man, some of us know just enough Bible to get beat up. We, 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 we can quote scriptures and post scriptures and do all these kinds of things. But when the rubber meets the road, is Jesus really inside of us? Remember, there was, I think, the, the seven sons of Sceba. Uh, they were trying to uh, do exorcisms and cast out demons. And, and they tried to, to, to cancel these demons. And the demons jumped on them. And the demons said, what? Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? We know just enough about God. Here's the key. We know about God, but God is not living on the inside of us. And that's why America is called a Christian nation. But look at us. We know about God, but does God know us? And the very danger that we have at the end of time is for God to say, I never knew you. Church. How do we get connected to Jesus? We get connected to Jesus with that cross. We die just the way that he died so that he might live in us. All right. Today we're learning our strategy on how to win the souls that are so desperately in need of salvation. Because listen, no matter if you convert somebody to a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian, doing that does not transform their whole being. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can try to persuade people to become earthly things, but they will just still remain earthly and sinful. The true standard of righteousness and change comes from Jesus Christ. So if you want to make the world a better place, we don't, make them, we don't make it a better place by moving people to the way that we think. Having them subscribe to our political affiliations. We change the world by allowing them to experience the same change that we experienced in Jesus Christ. And the only way that that will not be reproduced is if we have not truly had an encounter ourselves. Has Jesus truly saved your soul? Is Jesus living on the inside of you or are you still in control? So as Jesus invited people to the tables, he, fed, he first fed them. Okay, and then there was an understanding or a revelation he gave in John 6, uh, chapter 30. I'm sorry, John chapter 6, verse 30. He told them, listen, I know the real reason that you follow me. You follow me basically so that I can feed you. And some of us, we must be careful to, to, to think to ourselves that, Lord, is the only reason I follow you is because you're good to me? Or do I follow you because I have given you my whole life and a desire for you to live in me? Let's go to John chapter 6, beginning in verse 30. So as we have fellowship with sinners, those that don't know Jesus Christ, our prayer is that they would begin to see a new kind of bread, that they will begin to see not just Damien, not just Jim, not just Stacy, but eventually as you spend time with the family members you've been hiding from and the co-workers you've been hiding from, that eventually they will see Jesus inside of you and have an opportunity through the drawing of the Holy Spirit to make Jesus Christ their Lord. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. So church, that's what the table is for. That's why we, we go to lunch and that's why we make these phone calls and that's why we spend time with people is so that they would begin to realize what the true bread from heaven is. Verse 33. 
The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. Verse 34, sir, they said, give us that bread every day. So it took a cross for Jesus to please his father. It will take a cross for us to please the Lord. And church, we have a message, an awesome message from our Savior. And we also have an anointing. Uh, Before I uh, moved back to Lima over 17 years ago, when I had uh, had my pig pen experience and just decided, you know what, this sinful life, you know, is, is not for me. There's nothing here. Every once in a while, I would grab my Bible and there would be, a, I call it a divine crease in it. It would open up to the same passage every time. And I began to understand that God was calling me into ministry. Every time I opened my Bible, it would come to this place. And as I read this to you, I want you to know that this same anointing is on you as well. Church, say this with me. I receive it. Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 3. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to go to church. No, it's more than just going to church. It's for a great work. Say this with me. I am anointed. Listen to this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. So every single one of you are preachers. As Pastor Jim spoke over a month ago, you are all ministers of reconciliation. What does that mean? That you have access to the gospel. You are richer than uh, the owner of Amazon. You are richer than the owner of Google because they can die and be lost forever and their money doesn't go with them. But a Christian is the richest person in the universe because you have been saved and you have been sanctified and you have been removed from your sins and you will spend all of eternity with God and you know how to get there. That's why you are so rich because you have a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ living inside of you and it has electricity. It's alive. There is an anointing on your life to do it. But I can't preach. I'm just so timid. And what if they say no? Stop the whining and crying. People are dying and going to hell. It's time that you allow the anointing on the inside of you to preach the gospel to come alive. Jesus wants to use your body. See, he's the head and we are the body. And it was necessary that he go, he went away because when Jesus was here, he could only be one place at a time. But if he left and sent back his spirit and put it inside of all of us, he could be worldwide. Say this with me. I am a minister of the gospel. I have the same anointing that Jesus had when he was here. I am full of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I am not afraid. I will speak at his leading and people will be saved. In Jesus' name, let's give God praise for this truth. The reason the church in America is so weak is because when I close the service and when pastors say amen at the end of this church service, the church dies. And we just go on about our lives and we don't really get full of the Holy Spirit and happy again until the next Sunday. You've got to work to do all week long. See, that's, that's why we need a cross, guys. And I'm not preaching at you. I'm pre- he's preaching to us. We need a cross to eliminate our will. Because, listen, we spend way too much time on social media when we could be presenting the gospel to people. We spend way too, mu- too much time on television when we could be in prayer and be reading our Bibles. And listen to me. There will always be that conflict going on in the inside of you. There will be a war to do what is natural and a war to do what is spiritual. So how do we put to death that natural side and do what is spiritual and profitable? 
the cross. Pick up the cross and deny yourself. The cross gives us the power to execute this natural, fleshly, sinful desire and do what is pleasing to the Father. But if you put the cross down, your conviction goes away sometimes too. And what do you know? I've spent two and three hours on Facebook or two or three hours on television and all that time is gone and my life is spilling out and my ministry, my effectiveness is not as powerful as it should be because I'm not under the direction or the influence of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just pick up your cross. It's not just deny yourself. It's follow me. So true Christians are following him. When you pick up the cross, you follow him. You have the ability to, because listen, your your will is strong. Went to Creamery last night. Had some ice cream in Delphus. Get home. Already had ice cream. Eat two peanut butter cookies. I didn't need those peanut butter cookies, but my will is strong. So if I don't have a cross, if I don't have power, say power. If I don't have power to deny myself, I'm always going to do what myself wants. That's why you need the cross at all times, and you need to be able to declare war on yourself and say, self, no. See, easy to say no now, but last night I was eating those cookies. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me. Church say he has sent me. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons of those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. You see, he is the vine and we are the branches. We are his trees of righteousness. We have been called to carry a cross that turns into a table that transitions to a bridge. So what does our cross look like? Why do we carry a cross? Because he said, if you want to be my disciples, you must pick up your cross daily and deny yourself. So our cross, brothers and sisters, is where discipleship happens. You're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, or you're not being discipled by Jesus if you don't have your cross. No, it's not a physical cross. It's just a decision to die. That's what picking up your cross means. I have decided to die to myself. I have decided to deny myself. And I have decided to follow you, Jesus. And when I do that, I am being discipled. When you do that, you are under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, self, get out of the way. Lord, what is your desire for this moment? What is your desire for my life? That is what a disciple is. Do you remember Jesus was walking through Galilee and he had never met these people that were fishing and tax collectors. And he said, follow me. And they dropped their nets five years later. Immediately. They dropped their nets immediately and they followed him. And the beauty of them following him is this. Every once in a while, Jesus would say some hard things and people would leave saying, you know what? I can't do these things. And Jesus looked at his own disciples and said, are you going to leave too? And he asked, and they said to him, where will we go? You have the words of life. And you see, that has to be our resolution every day, that the reason that we follow Jesus, the reason that we follow Jesus is because he is the only way to the Father. And if we try to go some other way, we will miss the Father. I need the cross to keep me in line with the way, the truth, and the life. Because if I don't have a cross, I won't deny 
deny myself. And the devil is as a lion seeking he seeking whom he may devour. And anytime I put down the cross and go a different way, there the enemy is waiting to devour us. The cross keeps you in fellowship with Christ. The cross keeps you hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. The cross allows you to pray and to seek God's face never uh, more than you would have on your own. The cross is where discipleship happens. Can you say discipleship? Discipleship never stops. No matter how many years you've been saved, no matter how many uh, Bible verses you know, discipleship never stops. And listen, you are not my disciples. You are Jesus' disciples, okay? And for Jesus to be our, uh, our leader, our, the, the, the principal disciple, then we have to follow him always. Listen to Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Can we be honest for a minute? How hard is that? Let's just be real. Can we be real in here so we can have some deliverance when we leave today? It's hard to give up your own way sometimes. But we need to evaluate and say, okay, what will my way get me? I'll tell you what it'll get you. The word of God says this. There is a way that seems right. But the end of that way is destruction. So your own way will always lead you to destruction. If you follow your own heart, your own heart is desperately wicked. You've got to lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God and he will direct your paths. You've got to come to the conclusion that within yourself, in your own mind, you're good for nothing. You'll always make the wrong decision. You'll always choose the comfortable way. You'll always choose what feels good to you. That's why Jesus says, you've got to pick up a cross to follow me. You've got to give up yourself. And you know what? As I preach this, I promise you, it's hard to preach because it's not a message that's going to make people stand up and clap and get excited because it's hard to die. And now it makes sense to me that the Bible says that only a few of us find eternal life but because the way to hell is broad and wide and full Little people doing everything they want to do, but the weight of the cross is narrow, and only a few people find it. You see, listen, a demon is not my worst problem. White people, the Ku Klux Klan, they're not my worst problem. Democrats and Republicans are not my worst problem, because none of them can keep me out of the kingdom of God. My worst problem is me. I am my biggest issue, and I need a cross every day to deny this sinful man living on the inside of me because without a cross I cannot experience the new creation I am in Jesus Christ. Frank Sinatra sang a song, I did it my way. And many of us, that's our worship song to ourselves. We don't worship God. We just need God when we need him. We just use God when we need something from him. But the truth is this. Many of us are doing it our own way and just adding God when our way doesn't work. This is hard preaching, but I promise it'll save your soul. This is hard preaching, but I promise that the Holy Spirit will empower you to do everything I'm saying right now. Without God, it's impossible to do these things I'm teaching you about today. But with God, all things are possible. Listen to Jesus' warning in verse 25. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. So what's the cross for? The cross is so that I lose my life voluntarily and say, God, I don't want this life anymore. I want you to have it. Because even as Melvin was testifying earlier, it's the grace of God that keeps us alive. We don't know when our last breath will be. So it's very important that you're not trying to hold on to your life, but you say, Lord, I give you my life fully. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? 
I think we need to ponder that question for a moment. That's a question that Jesus asked his disciples, and we are his disciples as well. Listen to this question. Is there anything worth more than your soul? Nothing. There's nothing that we can give God in exchange for our soul. So our cross is where discipleship happens. Our cross is, is discipleship is constant. Discipleship is this. It's the constant leading and teaching of the Holy Spirit as we go throughout our day. So even on Monday, tomorrow morning when you wake up, you pick up that cross for discipleship. Class is in session. Holy Spirit, produce righteousness within me. Teach me your ways. Keep my mouth shut when I want to go off. Thank God for nails, right? Keep my mouth shut when I want to say things that are not pleasing to you. Discipleship is constant constant. The only way that we can follow Jesus Christ is that we follow with a cross. A cross is almost like, as I'm, we, we're training a new dog, we have a new dog at home, and I can't just take him outside, I got to put him on a leash. Do you know why I got to put that dog on a leash? Because it has its own will to go its own way. And without that leash, it can't be discipled by me. But if it's on a leash, I can go this way, and it has to follow, or it gets a little bit uncomfortable to go the way that it doesn't want to go. So the cross is almost like a leash. We need the cross to keep us in line in fellowship with God, because God is saying, come this way, and if we don't have the cross attached, we'll be way over there doing what we wanted to do until we fall down and get dirty and muddy and say, how did I get over here? It'd be no different than my dog breaking off the leash, running in the neighborhood, getting in garbage cans, rolling around in skunk mess and all this, come back filthy and nasty and dirty. It's like, should have stayed on the leash, shouldn't you? Stay on the leash. I got good food here. I got a, a roof over your head here. You don't pay for nothing here. And Jesus says, stay on the cross. I've, I've paid the way for you already. I've given you salvation. I've given you my Holy Spirit. You have need of nothing. I am your God of peace, your God of comfort. I will go to war for you. Nothing will ever separate me from your love. Why would you put down the cross and go your own way? Don't you remember what your way was before you came to me? Don't you remember what life was like? Just like that stray dog running around doing everything it shouldn't be doing. If it's your first time here, I am not screaming at you. I just get a little bit passionate when I preach. You're not in trouble at all unless the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction to you. Uh, conviction doesn't come from me. I just get loud sometimes. Continuing on, she said, amen. All right. Our table. Can you say table? So the cross is for discipleship. We carry the cross. We have a will of our own. Before we pick up that cross, our will is gone and say, okay, Lord, you lead me. Disciple me. Holy Spirit, give me truth. Show me the way. So that's what the cross is for, discipleship. Now, as we carry our crosses through life, Jesus sometimes is going to require our cross to be transitioned to a table. And what the table is, is a place where relationship happens. Can you say relationship? You've got to have relationships with people, okay? I know people will get on your nerves. People get on my nerves too. But you know what? That's what the cross is for. I can't serve you at my table unless I have been influenced by the cross and die to myself. I can't, I can't help a racist man that I know hates black people unless I've had an experience on the cross and I've died to myself and I say, God, you love this man so much and and I'm going to love him too. You see, that's what the cross is for. The cross allows me to be like Jesus Christ, and it gives him a body. Say this with me. My cross gives Jesus a body. You see, we are the body of Christ. And when you carry a cross, you die to self, and now you become influenced. You become infilled with the Spirit of God, and now Jesus has another life on the earth through your body. That's why the Bible says, as Jesus was in this world, so are we. Jesus needs more people. He needs more bodies. But only those that have crosses... 
he has access to their bodies because they what? They have given up their lives for him. I said, Jesus, I don't own this body anymore. This body isn't for sin anymore. It's for righteousness. It's for you. So after we've had an encounter with the cross, we're able to allow uh, that cross to transition to a table or a place of relationship. Can you say relationship? Relationship, I don't know what happened, but I thank God that he's turning around. It seems that church people only have relationship, true relationship with other believers. And I know what we were taught, you know, separate yourselves from them and what fellowship does light have with darkness and all these things. But that was talking about really our spiritual condition, our spiritual condition, not to say that we should stay away from the world at all times. How are we going to stay away from the ones that we're saving? You can't stay away from it. Even Paul said, I'd have to leave the earth to get rid of, uh, to, to stay away from, from every sinner. But we go back under the influence of Jesus. Because when you have a cross, it's not you anymore. Don't you go to the bar without a cross. Because that old self can rise up. You say, yep, I'll have two of those, please. Only under the influence of Christ did you have relationship with those that are still in the world. That way, the love of God can have an influence on them instead of their love of the world having an influence on you. Church, we've got to go back for the loss. No man left behind. We are the soldiers for the army of the Lord, and we've got some lost brothers and sisters that are out there, and they need us to come back, and it's going to happen through relationship, all right? Relationship. We've got to turn these crosses into tables. Let's look at um, John chapter 1, verse, I'm sorry, John chapter 13, 34 through 35, and it says this, so now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So listen, it's not your Christian bumper stickers. It's not you leaving for church on Sunday morning that the world will know that you are Christ followers. It's the way that you love them. Listen, as a Christian, you should be one of the most well-liked and most popular people on your street or on your job. You should be so full of joy so full of cheer because the light of the entire world lives on the inside of you. You should not have a reputation of being judgmental and the meanest one. You should be the one that they come to. You should be the one that even the sinners come to and say, hey, do you mind praying uh, for my mom? She has to have a surgery. Do you mind doing this? Do you mind doing that? How many of you have experienced that? That you've had unbelievers come to you and say, hey, can you pray about this? That's because your light is on, church. Don't try to blend in with the world. Don't try to blend in at work. God did not radically save you to blend in. God radically saved you to stand out so that you might be one that leads people to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4 say this. We re- this, is, this is the relationship that we're to have with the world. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. If, listen church, listen. If the good news we preach, we're all preachers, is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. So if you don't share the love of God, if you don't share Jesus with people, you're only hiding the exit from them. You're only hiding the way of life from them, and they are dying. Verse 4, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. So church, that's what you start praying for unbelievers in your life. Listen up. Pray this over everybody you know who is not saved. 
The Bible tells us here that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe so that they cannot see the glorious light of the good news. So, Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and we pray for all those that are in our lives, God, that have been blinded by the devil so that they cannot see the gospel. We pray that you would open up their minds that they might be able to see. So the next time we have an encounter with them, God, they will be ready to receive, Lord, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which can save their soul. Satan, we cancel your assignment to blind this world. We pray right now in Jesus' name that we, the church, would truly be a city that is set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. We pray, God, that we, the church, would not be bucket heads. We would not cover up our lights, God, with buckets and try to blend in with the world just because because we don't want to hurt their feelings all the while all we're doing is hurting their souls for all of eternity open their eyes father in jesus name amen it says they don't understand the message about the glory of christ who was the exact likeness of god finally we get to the bridge so the cross is about discipleship the cross allows us to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to get rid of our will and follow his will. The tables where relationship happens, we, we, we have fellowship with those that don't know God. Because the Bible says that those who are well don't need a physician. So all of us Christians need to stop hanging out with just Christians. You've got to begin to show love to your neighbors that don't know God. And listen, if you go over to your neighbor's house for lunch or you have them over for dinner, don't have out seven Bibles and candles going and worship music playing, all right? Just be a friend. Just be a friend. Just be kindly. Because remember, you're not trying to give them religion. You're trying to give them Jesus. And how do we give the world Jesus? By having relationship with them. How does that work? Because Jesus lives inside of us. Stop being so religious and just be real. Be who you are. Even if who you are is having a red haircut. People love this man. Do you know why? Because he's just real. He's who he wants to be, but God lives in him. You see, we are individuals still, okay, but still God has called us to a purpose and to have influence in this world. If you were funny before, you can still be funny, but it's a clean funny now. You hear what I'm saying? God gave you a personality for his glory. So what the cross does is this. All that was bad and evil and, and twisted and perverted about my personality and who I was comes to an end. Jesus fills this body. And now as Damien walks out, he walks out as Christ. Christ living in me. So really, church, you're not the minister of reconciliation. Jesus on the inside of you is the minister. Let's give God praise for that. All right, the bridge. So we've talked about the cross. We've talked about the table. Now the bridge. The bridge is where fellowship happens. The bridge is where we trust that God will lead this friend, this coworker, this neighbor, this enemy, that he would lead this person to himself. John 15, 12 through 13 say this. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, uh, some of you remember, they say chivalry is dead, but one of the images of chivalry I have in my mind that you used to see on TV or cartoons is a, a guy and a girl walking together, okay, and then they come to a puddle, and the guy takes off his jacket and puts the, the uh, jacket on the puddle so that his, his woman can walk across the puddle without getting her shoes dirty. It didn't make sense to me because the world's big. Couldn't you just walk around the puddle? Well, I don't know. But anyway, chivalry. He takes off his jacket, puts it on the floor, on the, on the puddle, so that she can walk across it on dry land. And, oh, that was so sweet. Yeah, that jacket cost me. Die to ourselves, right? That's why we need a cross. It doesn't matter how much the jacket costs. It matters that I was obedient to the Lord and I laid down my jacket. 
So listen, church, this is what the bridge is all about. It's about laying down your life for a friend. It's about having relationship with those that don't know Jesus and laying down your time, laying down your religion, laying down your opinion and saying, you know what? I'm going to be a friend. I'm going to lay down my life for this person so they might come across me and my sacrifice and reach Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus was to the world? He came to be a bridge between himself and the Father. He laid down his life so that we can walk across him to get to the Father and what he did for us. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Our last passage is found in Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37, and this truly is one of the greatest stories in the Bible about being a bridge, about allowing the table uh, to be set out. And it says this, and Kimberly, you can come right now. Thank you. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength and all, with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Church, can you say this with me? Who is my neighbor? Jesus has called us all to be ministers of reconciliation. So it doesn't matter if the person is white or black, Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter if they're gay or any other other thing, any other sinful activity. When Jesus says, be a bridge to this person, you be a bridge. Because it's not about you. You're supposed to be on the cross anyway. And when you find yourself fighting against God and not doing what he wants you to do, it just tells us, it tells us that we're not dead enough yet. That we need to have a better experience with the cross because we're still fighting God. We're still doing what we want to do more than what he wants us to do. And if we love him, we will obey his commandments. Verse 30, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man, can you say Jewish? A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Now, we know that's the work of Satan because Satan comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. So here this man was uh, in the parable. He had had an encounter with people that were full of the enemy. And even in 2021, over 2,000 years after Jesus told this story, there are still those in this world who are being ransacked by the enemy. They have been knocked down. They have been introduced to powerful substances to which they cannot kick the, the habit. They have been uh, just, just tore apart by the enemy. But God loves these people. Listen to me. Those people that you judge that are holding signs all over the city and those people that you say, well, why can't they just help themselves? You don't even help yourself. If it had not been for the compassion and the grace of God, we could be in a similar position or even lower. So we do not judge anyone we see. We have been commanded only to love. Verse 31, by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Church, that's why God has sent us this message about crosses, tables, and bridges. Because for so long, we have been guilty of going to the other side of the road. So long, we have been lazy and saying, God, can you please save this person when we've got our own cross that can become a table that can lead to a bridge. Continuing on, 
Verse 32, a temple assistant. These are all churchgoers, okay? All people familiar with God, all religious, okay? A temple assistant walked over, so at least he came a little bit closer, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Let's stand up, church. It's time that we go and do the same. To be a Christian doesn't mean that your soul is on ice and you've just been reserved to the day of judgment so that you can see God's face in peace and we're not concerned about those around us. Say this with me. Who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is anyone who God tells you to show compassion to. So listen, as we follow Christ, as we have this cross and we follow Christ, there will be a time where we see somebody's life that's been destroyed by the enemy. We will see somebody's life who needs compassion, who needs love. So we take the cross that we've been carrying off of our backs and it turns into a table. You see, a table is a place of service. I am here to serve you. I am here to love you. I am here to fellowship with you. I am here to be a friend. We love them hard at the table. And here's, here's what really happens. Because we are as Christ is in this world. So when we put down the cross at the instruction of Jesus Christ so that it can become a table, I want you to just have a different perspective of this moment. If God were to show you a higher elevated position, if God were to show you what he sees in this moment, it would not be you sitting at the table with the sinner. It would be Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus lives inside of you, but he only gets to come out at the table. The cross is all about discipleship and me following him. But the table is about, hallelujah, the table is about me giving up my life and my time and being able to serve those that don't know God, who don't have a seat at any other table. The prostitute, the, 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 the drug addict, the liar, the racist, the person that doesn't believe the same way politically that you do. They need a table, a table for two with them and Jesus. But when you are obedient to say, Lord, use my life, he'll say that one. But the danger is this. If you're not dead enough, you'll walk on the other side of the road. If you're not dead enough, you'll come close to them, but at the last moment, you'll say, I can't do this. It was only the Samaritan that was truly a neighbor Listen, if I were able to just speak uh, um, the modern day parable of this is, is, is this example. If I go over to that man that's been beat down, that life that's been beat down, and I just start telling them about religion and you need to be in church and you need this and you need that, they don't hear that. They are hurting. They need their wounds addressed first. So the next time I have an encounter with them, and the next time I have an encounter with them, they'll remember the love and the kindness I showed them at the table. They'll remember that I was not judgmental, that although their breath reeked of alcohol, that I did not come, come against them and tell them, you're going to die and go to hell if you don't receive Jesus. No, none of that. That person doesn't belong at the table. I don't belong at the table. 
The cross gets rid of me and allows Jesus to be the one at the table. And as Jesus spends time at the table with these people, a bridge forms. They see us for who we really are, representatives of Jesus Christ, and they'll want to know more about our Savior, and then they can be saved. And then once Jesus saves them, they pick up a cross. And their cross becomes a table. And that table becomes a bridge. Listen, church, somebody shared their table with you or you wouldn't be here today. Somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody was patient with you. Even though you, you were hard-headed and you were slow to repent, somebody took the time to keep loving you. Who was that? Listen, at one time, you were the neighbor. You were the one that needed to be helped. You were the one that needed mercy and kindness. So why is it that after we've come to experience the love of God, we just get greedy? It's like, oh, being saved is just so wonderful. Oh, it's what a blessing. Well, lives around us are in a literal hell. They have no joy. They have no peace. But we've got this table that's spread before us where we're just getting fat off the word and fat off going to church and never opening up our table for the loss. Let's bow our heads. Father, I've given them the words that you've given me to give them about the cross, the table, and the bridge. God, you are in control. As soon as we pick up the cross, you take over. You become the one that they fellowship with at the table because you, not us, you are the living bread. You are the bread that came down from heaven to save our souls. It's Jesus. May we stop giving the world us and give them you after we've had an encounter with the cross. May our table be a place of love. Tomorrow morning, God, when you say break out the table, may we break the table out. The table might not always mean having a meal with somebody. It could just be sharing a smile. It can just be sharing a word of, con con uh, of, 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 of compassion, God. I pray that we would be obedient to your Holy Spirit so that we would know when the time is right to love our neighbor. And finally, God, that table transitions to a bridge. That bridge is the way of life. And no man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ.